Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Chef's Meal, where we talk about whatever and never and everything else in between. Check, check. Ladies and gentlemen, again, like like I mentioned, a special episode of the Chef's Meal, but uh, to a man nonetheless, and no introductions needed, my other brother in arms, Mr. Dan from the Culinary Woo-woo. Libertarian. What's up, man? I'm going to get my cheering section this time. <laughs> I put it in the closet, that way, you know, everybody kind of gets the, the feel of it. And they're like, oh, yes, yes. You're going to get me accustomed to this. I'm yeah. Gonna it wherever I go, I'm going to walk in the house and say, wait a minute. Where's, <laughs> where's my cheering section? <laughs> uh, all right. So today we're actually talking about uh, one thing and one thing in particular. Uh, we're talking about muffins. How excited are you for muffins? Me? I like muffins. Yeah. In fact, we just... Um, both of my kids like playing in the kitchen, and um, so with the little one, we made a batch of muffins the other day, and she was very oh, wow. excited about that. And um, the reason I reached out to you again because I feel I feel like it, we we should cover it uh, only for the sole purpose of myself being selfish. <laughs> Your show, because do one, what you want, man. Yeah, yeah, no, because I, I want to be better at baking. Right. Um, I'm I'm in my process of almost a year of the sourdough. I'm getting there, leaving notes. Um, you and I will collaborate on that in a little bit. But the process of making a muffin and kind of like the benchmark, how to the process and why the muffin. I'll explain why exactly I'm asking you these questions because I can I can um like what I reflect in my kitchen, how I ask my cooks to cook a certain thing so I can see their skills. But anyway, um, first things first, though, how did that episode with Peter Reinhardt go? I heard it. It was amazing. How was that we, whole experience for you? We, we could have he, <laughs> we could have talked for, for many more hours. It was he's, he's such an approachable guy and so willing to just answer questions and talk about bread and baking and crust and 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 getting getting the most out of it was just it was a thrilling experience and one of the things we didn't get a chance to talk about because you know we had things to do and he's got he's got a more important schedule than i do um in in the book that i told him was just a phenomenal book uh, bread upon the waters there's a part where he's writing about a something an, an event an activity which was for him a hugely transformational event which was climbing up Mount Shasta in northern California mm-hmm. and the, what what was interesting about that and we didn't get a chance to talk about it was that out my front door every single morning on a clear day I can see Mount Shasta Oh wow! And it was an interesting thing that all of these years, it was in the mid '80s. He climbed it, but the mountain's still there; it's not going anywhere. So it was kind of a fun thing just to read his uh, adventure and how he responded to the challenge of climbing a pretty tall mountain. It's this fourteen thousand feet, and you, you know, it's, it's a mountain. You know, it ain't Mount McKinley, but heck, I haven't done it. Uh, so there was just a lot of sort of a lot of different kinds of connections between. Him doing it and me seeing it, which you know he was the he's the better of the two for that. Um, mm-hmm. Although it's very pretty to look at, uh, and just the just those kinds of just found connections in ways. It's like wow, this was 
this was cool. It was a it was a thrill for me, and I've already got enough questions for a second episode. If you yeah. would be kind enough to grace me with this presence again, I want to get really into uh, things like flavor and taste, because I think mm. those are really important concepts that sometimes can sound like it's two words that mean the same thing, and I don't think that they are. But I want to hear him give his explanation of what he thinks is the difference. And it is two different things, by the way, flavor and taste. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. flavor is just the the way you put the seasoning and spices, but the taste is it's all different on mouthfeel, the texture, the whole shebang. So, but anyway, I understand the question. Um, but more so for tonight, or for, for right now, though, why the muffin? Why, why do you think I'm asking you to uh, to to kind of explain why the muffin because I would ask to my cooks why an egg oh that's a, that the answer is very simple and there's a whole bunch of things that fit into this category and the category is the easiest thing to do is the hardest thing to do right mm-hmm. so that's why I think you asked the question I did would you care? to um kind of give your version of a muffin like give me give me the process of how you would make a muffin well the basics are you have two bowls of stuff one of the bowls of stuff is the dry ingredients and the other bowl of stuff is the wet ingredients now the first challenge is recognizing which of those two things is the sugar looks like it's a dry thing Hmm. but when you understand and and it is because you know it's on the shelf it's in the bag when you understand what the function of sugar is in baked goods and what happens to it when it gets hot then the then it's a trick Sugar is actually going to be in the wet ingredients because sugar Hmm. is hydroscopic it's going to absorb water from stuff so we're going to put that in with the eggs. Uh, now, for my muffins, uh, it is it, it was popular for a while to use things like canola oil or the so-called vegetable oil, mm. and I avoid that completely. I use I use butter. It's possible mm. to use lard, and I've done lard in, in a corn muffin, and it's okay. It doesn't have the same. It, it just, has no flavor, but it contributes <laughs> fat. So it's going to add, it's going to add texture to it. It's going to add moisture to it because that's what fat's going to do. But butter for a for your standard blueberry or chocolate chip, uh, even your whole wheat muffin, uh, I would use butter. In the case of the whole wheat, I'd probably brown the butter a little bit for a flavor. It doesn't do anything for the consistency. We're talking about the nice nutty flavor of brown butter being a compatible flavor to the mm. nuttiness of the whole wheat grain uh, whole, the whole wheat flour that's oh, the only wow. reason I would do that um, so the the eggs the butter melted but not hot um, in most cases it's going to be buttermilk because buttermilk one has a good flavor has a great flavor and yes and the acid in the buttermilk is higher than the acid that's in regular whole milk and that acid is going to, now we have more chemistry going on. We have, it's, every kid who ever had a test tube science kit put baking soda and vinegar together, put the 
cork on the test tube really quickly, and then boom, the cork flew off. Mm-hmm. Well, the acid and the and the alkaline is responding in predictable ways to create a gas. That gas in a muffin is going to be the thing that makes it go puff up. So I'm going to use buttermilk for flavor and for the acid to give me the chemical reaction to give a rise to my baked good. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the, so those are the basics. We have the, the flour, the leavenings, and depending on the muffin, I will use baking soda and baking powder. And the, mm. the, the main difference is so the soda is going to react immediately with the acid. The baking powder is sometimes going to react because they will put um, cream of tartar, which is an acid, mm-hmm. into baking powder. And so you're going to get the – so they call it double acting. You get the immediate response of the acid in the baking powder responding to the, the the alkaline in the baking powder responding to the acid of the buttermilk, boom, you get a little bit of reaction. But really, the other part of that is heat generated. Mm-hmm. Baking powder is not going to create a rise until it hits a particular temperature. Then it's going to make more gas. So both of those together are a good way to make sure you get a good leaven on your muffin Cautions necessary because a little bit of either a little bit too much of either either one of those, and your your muffin's going to taste chemically. Uh, it's going to have a chemical taste from too much of that stuff, as opposed to having a nice blueberry flavor or chocolate chip flavor. Wow. So. The the last part of the muffin method, and there actually is a thing called the muffin method, (laughs) is to put the dry stuff on top of the wet stuff, then fold it, sort of turn the bowl and fold it with a wide rubber spatula, getting way down the bottom, folding way on the top about 10 times. If you're going to add something like uh, blueberries, uh, frozen blueberries are fine to add, but a couple things are going to happen. Because the blueberries are frozen, they're really cold. When mm-hmm. they get into the really cold, the melted butter isn't going to be melted anymore. And the buttermilk, one, is being absorbed into the flour, which is what we want to have happen. We want that hydration. Mm-hmm. But the dough is going to get extremely stiff. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. It becomes fairly difficult to mix because it's so stiff. But we're talking about a muffin. So to me, a muffin is a is a tasty treat but it isn't necessarily always going to be a gorgeous treat yeah. it's not a it's not a mirror glazed tort it's not a, it's not a soccer <laughs> tort it's not a highly refined super elegant finished dessert it's a muffin it is as far as i'm concerned designed to be a little on the clunky looking side yeah, they look nice because they're fresh baked and they may have some sanding sugar on top or you may have your particular preference of a kind of a streusel on top. And I do enjoy a garnished muffin, something on top which is going to add another flavor and another texture and something of an aesthetic. A plain undressed muffin looks like a plain undressed muffin. So. <laughs> So, but those are the basics. So the wet and the dry, wet on top of the dry, add your fruit at the end, don't overmix. And overmixing in a muffin can, can happen before you even know it. And you'll never know that it has happened until you take the baked muffin out of the tin, 
cut it in half, and instead of having a fairly uniform yet mildly inconsistent hole size in your muffin crumb, you're going to see these long up and down air bubbles that's called tunneling. Mm-hmm. That happens when you've overmixed a muffin dough. And overmixing can happen, you don't even know you've done it yeah. until you take it out. Now, um, it doesn't affect the flavor one little bit. And the so the muffin, it will become a tough muffin. Well, what in the heck is a tough muffin? It's not like eating a well-done steak. It's not you, you don't, you're not pulling on it. It's not a loaf of French bread, but it doesn't have the crumbliness that a well-mixed, well-baked muffin is going to have. Mm-hmm. So if mistakes are going to be made in mixing and baking muffins, these are mistakes, unless they're burned, we can eat. And if you're making them at home, well, the standards are a lot lower at home. And it's a place where uh, we, it's a place where success can be found, even if we've made a few, a few boo-boos. We can look at that because now we know what's happened. We've overmixed the muffin dough with the muffin batter. We see these big, tall holes. All right, well, I'm going to mix the next one fewer times and see what happens. Mm. And so success in the kitchen I, th- I think is, is scares a lot of people, even some professionals, who 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 have this mental image of what they want to achieve, and then th- that's fine. Having having this picture of what you want to do is a good way to get to the place. You need to have a plan. If you are directionless, you accomplish nothing. And then people say, "Well, geez, it didn't come out right. I told you I can't do this." <laughs> so. All of us have learned through making mistakes over, you know, we've over-roasted the prime rib and now they're all medium or, or, or worse. Um, those are expensive mistakes and those are costly mistakes, but we've all made mistakes. A mu- mistake with the muffin is something we can still eat. We can put a bunch of butter on it, some preserves, some jam, uh, two extra cups of milk, a bigger cup of coffee. This is not the end of the world and it's a way to see Ah, I need to do less. And so one of the things a muffin's teaching is sometimes minimalism is a better way to success than overdoing everything. Exactly. And it's, you know, there's baking is a lot of uh, minimalism can apply to lots of things, even with things that look like they're taking a lot of energy, like whipped cream or egg whites. Mm. At some point, that whipped cream is going to turn into butter, and there is no undoing that. The only (laughs) thing to do at that point is continue, finish making the butter, save the milk that's left over for your baking, and then you've got some really delicious butter to put on muffins. Uh, Egg whites, the same thing. You can over-whip egg whites, and when that's happened, there is no coming back. That's actually, <laughs> um, I'm not even sure what one would do with leftover egg whites, with overwhipped egg whites. I've never I don't know. found a good use for that. Can't put them in consomme because they're gonna, they're not going to work. Um, nope. It doesn't hold. I can't. That, I mean, that unless, might be trash. Unless, unless you can literally, well, I think we tried. I tried to fry it once just to see what the heck it would do. It didn't come out right. It just, it was like a blob. <laughs> 
Yeah, there, there, that might be possibly the liquid in a pasta. That may be the only thing you can do is make pasta dough with it. Maybe. I don't know. It's, it's just, it's a weird, I don't know. Every time, every time somebody did overmix it, we just kind of pitch it out because otherwise yeah. it just, ugh, it's gross. Well, the other, so the other thing that happens is you, if you're, you're trying to rescue what, two egg whites, mm-hmm. the amount of, energy and time spent trying to fix the problem costs more than the two that you're going to throw into the sink and do it all over again. So there sure. is, there's at, at some point you just cut your losses and start again. Yeah. And that's the easier way, at least for, you know, professional kitchens, because it's always harder to, to kind of remake the stuff when you're going to put more effort and more labor. And it's the, uh, it's the big word that we use is labor. <laughs> it's, just well, a, it's a little easier if you just kind of scratch it you know, get to the point where you're supposed to go, not overdo it from that point on, and then continue. Well, those are things that kitchen, that commercial kitchens, that restaurants have to think about because labor is actually spelled M-O-N-E-Y. Yeah, that's correct. It's absolutely correct. Now, in terms of baking, though, we, we've discussed the process and how you would do it. What do you bake the muffin at? It kind of depends on the muffin. Generally, I do 375 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay. Now, part of that is that I'm up at 5,000 feet, and strange things happen at 5,000 mm. feet, but predictable things happen. So water, the water boils uh, here at, I think, 206, 208 instead of 212. Oh, wow. So that means that the water vapor is created at a lower temperature in the oven. So mm-hmm. I'm going to get steam a little bit more quickly than down below. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to add, I'm, I tend to add a teeny bit more liquid, uh, in this case, the buttermilk, uh, or for the texture, a little bit more sugar. But I, I, <laughs> I try to, I try to not do that. In fact, I try to cut back on sugar, um, just, because we eat too much of it in general, but that's that that isn't the baking thing. That's a health of my family thing. Mm. Um, so I bake them at three seventy five, and this I, the muffin tins. They come in so many different sizes and shapes, and the scoops nowadays they're not some of the scoops that you can buy. The dishers don't even have the measurement on them. Where like a commercial kitchen is going to get a dish that's going to say 30 on it or 32 on it. Mm-hmm. Well, that means how many scoops per quart. Correct. You buy a disher from your local grocery store doesn't that have doesn't anything. have any number on it. Yeah, it doesn't well, have anything. You have no clue how, how what size portion is this thing. So if you're trying to get consistency in portioning, well, at home that's fine. You use the same scoop all the time. But So I, I have unmarked scoops. I don't know how big they are, but I use the middle one. And I fill my muffin tins and put sanding sugar on top. Um, the other day, the, she used Halloween decorations. Because mm-hmm. why not? Sure, so, why fine, not? Whatever. I, yeah, <laughs> you made them. You can decorate them however you wish. So yeah. we had little pumpkins and black jimmies and black sugar. And she was thrilled. So the, 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 the being thrilled part was far more important than having white sanding sugar. <laughs> so, they, great. And they were actually really, really good. So she did a good job. There you go. Um, so I go a little bit on the high side, uh, but I also do that for another reason. I like the 
crispy, caramely bit of the muffin on the outside. Got now, it. if we're going to make a, if you're going to make one of those giant big muffins that you sometimes see in hotels, well, now things are a bit different. So we want a small muffin like I make. I can get that high temperature. I can get the rise that I want, the caramelization on the outside, and the heat going all the way through to cook the inside. No problem. Those big muffins, well, things have changed. So the transfer of energy from the outside of the muffin all the way to the inside is going to take longer. Since it's going to take longer, I need to have the oven at a lower temperature. Mm -hmm. This is where things get really kind of impossible for me to say, for everybody, you need to do this because I don't know... I don't know how big your big muffin tin is. I don't know how hot your oven actually is. Mm. So I would not go lower than 350 unless it's ma- unless it's just giant. But I'm, I, uh-huh. I think 350 is the right temperature to go to, even for a bigger muffin. Now, I tend personally, I avoid those cupcake papers for muffins entirely. Oh, yeah? I, I just don't like them. They never peel off nicely. I haven't found, unless you spray them, which I don't really want to do. Mm. I, I just, I, I, may, I, um, I make my own pan release, and so I just, or just flat out butter the tin, yeah, and then put the muffin in there. Uh, the blueberry ones will tend to want to stick because the juice gets kind of caramely and sticky, but if you butter them well, they're going to come out with almost no problem. Yeah, and it's just, it's. It's also one less barrier in the way of eating a warm muffin. <laughs> and the the little toasty caramely bits on the on the inside of the pan part. That's your favorite. The, the paper doesn't let that happen as well because it's interfering with the butter frying against the metal. Mm-hmm. So you don't get the same caramely bit. And I like that more than losing whatever I'm losing to the paper. I want it. So yeah, no papers for me for muffins. But that's that's a personal preference. I mean, I, I showed you that picture where I, I made some scones the other day or some yes. modified drop scones. And it just came out it came out gorgeous for some reason this time around. I'm like, oh my God, what the hell did I do? It's the same method. It's the same same recipe I've been going on, but maybe the temperatures were going a little easier than most. Maybe I added just the right amount of uh, water to whatever the ratio it was that we're making it a big but i was just like oh my god look at these these came out great no they look good yeah and uh it's just there's no sugar on it just or rather it's uh frosted with a little bit of sugar on top also with buttermilk that one scones can be kind of tricky and i haven't well i've i haven't so uh i have an ebook about muffins I don't have any book about scones yet. Um, I'm thinking my next one's going to be about donuts, actually. Yeah, scones are scones are rough. It, it comes off, or rather, I've made. Oh my god, I've been because it, it's the same recipe every year and every same time too, and like six times out of ten, they they come out correct. But those four times, it's either flat or I overmixed it, and I know when that happens too. And I'm just like, oh my god, this is so annoying, or. Um, the crumb didn't set out crusty enough, and I'm just like, Ugh, this is so annoying. And then sometimes it doesn't cook all the way. Yeah, but I don't have I don't have pâtissier in my in my restaurant. I'm doing it myself, so you're, you're kind of trying to do everything all at once, and you're kind of relying on skill a little bit. But when you do get it, we're all a hooray for it. I'm like, yes, we made it good this one time. 
Yeah, scones, they sort of live in the biscuit world, and there's they don't like being rushed. And sometimes having having men in your shoes, sometimes you try to get too many things done at once and think we can just sort of uh, manhandle the scones and just do this and do what I want you to do. And the scone says, uh, <clears throat> yeah, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah, that's the problem. I don't I I would like to spend more time with it, but we're always such in a rush. And I'm just like, yeah, let's just <laughs> let's just get it done. Hope for the best kind of but some like I said, six times out of ten. Most of the times is okay. But those four times when it happens, I'm just like, yep, everybody's having breakfast tomorrow. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, yeah, biscuits is another thing. And that should probably be my third ebook. I'll work on biscuits because there's a lot, there's a lot of nuance in biscuit. And, and there's, even between muffins, there's a lot of interesting, for the people who care about these things, there's a lot of interesting history in muffins, which originally were a yeast-based thing, not baking soda or baking powder. Uh, and if you go back to the American frontier days of Johnny Cakes and Ho Cakes, that's sort of the, the beginning of the whole biscuit idea. Mm. And <clears throat> there's... Um, there's one called the Bannock, and I'm not sure how you spell it. There's probably a few ways, and it's it's kind of a, a basic muffin that you could do on a campfire griddle as opposed to at home or in the kitchen and the restaurant where you've got more space and more time to do rolling and folding and waiting and hurrying. Just the, the Bannock is a little bit – it's not a baking powder drop biscuit. It's more of an actual biscuit, but it's – it's kind of a hybrid of the two, and it's. Uh, I like them. They're quick to make. You can make them right away, and they taste good, and they're really good with sausage and eggs. Makes a good breakfast, that's for sure. There you go. Now let's let's kind of tackle this. Why I call it a benchmark, and you were you were kind of sharing a little earlier before I hit the record button on um, how Gordon kind of runs his kitchen. I'm talking about Gordon Ramsay. Would you uh, like to share that with everybody else before I share my egg thing all together? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, the idea I stole from the Kitchen Nightmares show was to have a cooking test of a predetermined quantity of ingredients, hand-selected by me, for anyone who was applying for a job. And... It serves two main functions. One, can this person actually cook? Because words on a page can say anything. But mm-hmm. yeah, how you respond, even in the controlled environment of your potential employer watching you, uh, has a lot of similarity to the same heat of uh, internal heat of pressure, not heat of the stove, uh, the same kind of heat that will be in the middle of service. And if you can't cook two dishes with me watching you, there's a real good chance you're not going to hang on the line when everybody's waiting for the food. So we took that idea and turned it into uh, the same kind of a thing for bakers and included. So maybe a cake because to me, uh, someone who's going to come and be a baker better know how to make a cake. I can teach you how to make bread. But if you can't make and mix a cake, well, that that <laughs> I can teach you that too, but I don't need to hire you if I need to teach you how to make a cake. 
Yeah. And one of the things I added to the list was either a muffin or a biscuit for the simple fact that they're so easy they're so easy to make the hard to make. It's it's it really is the minimalism and and people yeah, people tend to want to really impress and do a good job and I appreciate that. But they get out of their head and they think too much and live so well, if mixing a muffin five times is good, mixing a muffin fifty times is ten times better. <laughs> but it isn't. It's ten times worse because you've you've made doorstops. And if you, so this is where, this is the test of what does this baker actually know about the procedures? So there is a thing called the muffin method. There is a thing called the biscuit method. There is a thing, there are different kinds of mixing for different kinds of cakes and where a cook can sort of, in, in the high heat of the kitchen with, with aluminum and cast iron and fire can forge through and create a thing. Look what I made. Oh, this is pretty good. A baker, you can't do that. Just like with your scones on those days when those the 40% of the time is not working, the ingredients refuse to be shoved around. Yeah. You can't forge them into what you want. You have to know how to get it to be what it wants to be. And there's no red hide if you don't want to do that. So mm. a simple biscuit, a simple muffin. And, and that's, <laughs> it's, it's an easy thing to do, but it's a hard thing to do. I used to I would just share the, the real, you know, cooks can sometimes be sort of antagonistic people. And I would go to Italian restaurants and ask if they would cook me a special dish. And all I wanted was, Angel hair with garlic and olive oil. Oh. Three ingredients. Well, four if you had salt. Mm. The hardest thing there is to do on the menu. Yeah. No, it really is. I always, and, um, simple, simple is hard. It really is. Oh, because no, you, you, you're exposed. Yeah. There's nothing to hide it in. There's, you, you can't hide it in tomato sauce. It's just like, wow, man. So, yeah. So that's why I did that. Gotcha. The uh, the classic ayo oyoyo is that what it was? The uh, the yeah, uh, my Italian the garlic is terrible. So ayo <laughs> yolio. I'm 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 gonna. You're gonna get people who speak Italian say, "What was that guy saying?" Like, but, what were they yeah. talking about? It's just garlic and pasta, and you cannot hide. That's it. Garlic, pasta, salt, maybe a little parsley. That's it. If you mess that up, I don't know. I don't know how else to say. It. I mean, so that but that's that's the basics, and so. When and so part of the reason for all that is if you can mix a muffin, if you understand what's happening in the bowl as you're turning, what things in flour that has gluten, then you can then you understand the processes that go into mixing pie dough, which is a biscuit, or mm. into mixing a bread, or into mixing any different kinds of cakes, or getting into more complicated things. If you so, so that really, it's not just can you make a muffin. It's do you understand your ingredients? Yeah. And if you understand your ingredients at the simple level, even if you've never made bread, there's something in there that's going to understand what those steps are. And, mm -hmm. and that's really the thing we're looking for and when we're hiring is does this person understand the process? I can teach you 
how to get there. But if you don't even, if you're coming to me saying, I want to bake and you can't make a muffin, it's not that I don't want to teach you, but if I have to teach you how to make a muffin, I may as well do it myself and yeah. keep looking for the guy who can do it. Yeah. And it's not, it's not a, a being mean thing. It's a, it's just, this is taking too much time and resources where I, I, that's just, you know, and you, you can be the nicest person ever, but if you can't bake and you say you can, then that restaurant doesn't have use for you. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, uh, the whole reason why I ask you that is because I do uh, not necessarily anymore, but especially for new cooks that have uh, a lot of experience, I give them stages. Let's just say a, a fancy word for stagiaire. In the um, in the French culinary, meaning you're staging some ingredients in front of them so they can cook it for whatever it is that you're trying to do, so you can see the skill that the person has. And I I always do it at eggs, so I always tell them, give me a scrambled, uh, give me a sunny, and I want a soft boiled, all within 20 minutes. And it's just eggs. You have salt and pepper and eggs. Do it in front of me. Go ahead. And <laughs> If they can handle that pressure, and they're doing this on a line during service too, because I want them to understand that there's no hiding um, when it starts to cooking, because I'm right there in front of them, uh, not necessarily yelling, but I'm right there watching what everyone's kind of doing. And if you're not used to that pressure, while you're making these things to my specification, uh, we're going to have a different chat because maybe not a line cook, maybe a prep cook or a, a dishwasher is your next step. And there's nothing that says, I mean, dishwashers want to learn. Yeah, they do. But I'm not going to put them on the line on a busy Saturday, you know? So no. it's just, I, I need to gauge their skill beforehand because, like I said, like and like you mentioned, they can put everything on paper. They can, all those words are beautiful and whatnot, but until I see your skill actually in the kitchen doing what you said your paper does, um, then I can know where to put you in my line per se but uh just for to get everybody kind of background dan is a baker also was a chef i'm just a chef i'm not a baker i'm trying to learn how to bake um so i always reach out to dan with any kind of questions or pictures and some goodies oh what did you think about my uh that little oven with the uh with the melted stuff inside of it <laughs> I thought it was a job opening. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, that was my fault. It was. Uh, it was just tiring. That's what it was. I hate using that word because I know everybody else has two jobs, kids, and everything. But I was. I think it was eighty hours already total, and it wasn't even Mother's Day yet. And I'm in a kitchen. I'm cleaning stuff, and I needed these before service so i'm like you know what i'll just turn the cool air on which works phenomenally but i forgot to tell my cook to leave it on there and three minutes later i saw the oven close and i'm like oh no did you turn it on he's like yeah and lo and behold um Oops. yep that was my bad but i cleaned it later on but it, I, th I thought it's a funny picture i have it in the uh my office just kind of posted there. It's like, this is not what you do with the oven. Right. You know, I want to, in case people are listening to your show, because you're more to the audience of cooks and possibly want to be cooks. If you're going to a restaurant, 
with your piece of paper and your resume and someone asks you to do a cooking test and you're a little, geez, you know, I just heard these two guys talking about our <laughs> the, the one thing that, yes, we're looking for some demonstration of skill for the thing you're being asked to do. There is also an evaluation of something that is not on any paper and that's not on any recipe you're being handed. That is gumption mm-hmm. and drive and willingness. And those are things that nobody can teach. So if you exhibit, man, you're diving in, you will to do this, you're really you're clearly making an effort to do a good job and you're attending to what you're your what you're handling, but maybe it doesn't quite come up to scratch. And so that's that's when you listen to the evaluation of the person who's evaluating what you've done. And if your if your gumption, and that's that's kind of a weird word, is 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 a good one, if your drive and your attention to detail and you've got bright eyes and you're eager, those are things that are very important to anyone hiring cooks. And so maybe you're not going to get offered the job you came for, but if you're offered a job because they see something that's worth pursuing, then that's a positive for you, even if you didn't succeed in the thing you were asked to do. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, I, I think that that's important to say because we're, the the industry seems to be struggling through getting competent cooks, and, yeah. and there's probably a whole lot of reasons for that. But while it's disheartening to do and not succeed, uh, success can be measured on a few other levels, and that individual drive is the thing that's very important to everyone hiring. It really is. Mm-hmm. I always mention uh, I will always hire on my gut feeling, especially when they're willing to learn. I don't I don't really care about the skill, sorta. Like it's 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 so far down for what I care about uh, on what they do. But if they can float during service, they'll have a good attitude and willing to learn. When they're wrong, I will hire them on a spot almost almost always. And I've had I've had four cooks that was with me for a good two years. They like minimum skill but i i could tell that they really just wanted to learn they just put their head down and just kept at it and they're amazing and you know obviously we parted ways eventually but it's um i will always hire always hire somebody willing to learn than somebody who has 20 years of experience and just kind of sit there on the side and be like yes chef i i, I really don't want to hear that i i want to see if you you can learn see uh see if you have the the, the what it takes to take the next step now dan i don't have anything else for you because i believe like we we need to tackle them one at a time because if we keep keep just adding stuff to it we will get to like five hours and we're like oh my god it's five hours you say that like it's a bad thing <laughs> no i'm not saying i like a bad thing but uh would you like to uh to share it to everybody else where they can find you and hear you though yes yeah, so i when i <clears throat> Two links. Uh, the Muffins e-cookbook is available as a uh, PDF. Just join my uh, email list, and that's culinarylibertarian.com slash muffinsbook. And my website is simply culinarylibertarian.com, and you can find the podcasts there and my recipes there. And 
much everything I do online is connected to that page. Like I said, the other brother on the other side of the U.S. <laughs> or rather, my, my baking brother, huh? Let's, let's call it that way because I, I'm, I'm striving, learning. I want to learn how to bake, but it's proving to be a, a tall task because I'm, you know, I'm 18 years into just the, the culinary where I just literally put everything into a fire. I'm not necessarily waiting for it or really trying to notice the differences or the temperature and the, the just the, it's a whole different process to do baking than it is to do cooking and you kind of i have to train my brain the other way when i'm baking stuff but that's the important part to understand is that baking is see this is where it looks the same it looks like it's the same because you have ingredients and you have heat and you have stainless steel but it's a completely different mindset. Yeah, it's different. I can't think like in my kitchen. I have to think. I have to think differently. Well, and in the kitchen as a cook, you're responding intuitively because you've done this for 18 years. It's, yeah. it's second nature. I'm just like boom, boom, boom. Yeah, baking yeah. is gonna say, "Hey, buddy, baking is different." It's like, missed something. Yeah, it's like I need 20 more minutes. I'm like, oh, why? Why? Because I do. Yeah, baking, you know, baking is like the cat. Cooking is like the dog. Hey, there we go. That's a nicer one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. You you can't make the cat do what it doesn't want to do. Yeah. When it wants to, then we can go ahead and proceed. But a dog will always just, yes, let's do it now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So Shell's Meal airs every Monday, ladies and gentlemen, uh, live in a restaurant where my sous chef and I talk about a week and a Shell's Meal on Thursdays where you can find people like Dan, the culinary libertarian, and all his goodness. And I'll make sure uh, to link all his stuff underneath so you can find him. But definitely check him out. But other than that, Dan, do you have anything else? Um, bake well. <laughs> bake well. And, 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 and keep trying. And it just, like everything else, it, it requires repetition and attention and repetition. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.